This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, horse world. I'm Emily Esterson from Coverside Magazine, the magazine of mounted fox hunting. And I'm Tara Tibbetts from Fort Worth, Texas. And you're listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 19th, 2019, episode 2272. This episode is brought to you by Coverside Magazine and Charles Owen Helmets. Good morning, horse world. This special episode of Fox Hunting comes to you the third Thursday of every month, so mark your calendar and you'll never miss an episode. And coming up on this month's Fox Hunting episode, we're going to chat a little bit about terms from the fixture card, and then Danielle Santos from Charles Owen is going to come on and talk a little bit about the Fox Hunter's favorite safety helmet. And Rebecca Barnes, MFH of Tryon Hounds, talks about their mentoring program and more. And then Carly Fedorka, blogger at a Yankee in Paris, talks about her thoroughbred's first hunter pace with the Heracoy hunt. So stay tuned for the fray. So Tara, what kind of adventures have you had in the last month with your horses and with fox hunting? And have you been out and about at all? It's actually the last month has been, I've been like the world's most boring fox hunting person. Um, I gave Simon some time off. Simon's my off track thoroughbred. So I pulled his shoes and let him just kind of be a horse for a little while. And he's slowly coming back into work. He, um, wanted to keep me on my toes and gave me a, a little bit of a colic scare Labor Day weekend, but knock on wood, he seems to be fine. And we've been cooking here in Texas. Like you just go outside and lay on, lay on the concrete and you just cook. So it's been difficult to do much work with our hounds. So hopefully there's the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. The high later this week is less than 90. So we're pretty excited about that. And Simon just went back into work a couple weeks ago and I'm getting him actually geared up to I didn't look up the uh, the correct name of it, but I'm going to Burwell, Nebraska the first weekend of October for their, um, it's an invitational hunt event that we're going to oh, be going to. That is a lot of fun. I know people who've gone and those, the people up in Nebraska, they're North Hills. They are very, very welcoming. Um, yes. and it sounds like a great deal of fun. We've talked about going, it's, it's probably a 13 hour haul for us, which just, Wow, that seems like a lot. <laughs> so yes, it's not an easy one day drive, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been hot here too. We just now kind of got a break in the in the heat, but we've been doing some preseason work with our new recruits. We got we got some Saluki Walker crosses, and we've been uh, doing this little exercise where you know we cast them out. One of our hunt staff basically rides away from the group and like hides behind a tree and blows the horn. And, uh, then we kind of cast them out and hopefully they go to her. That's, that's the plan to make them biddable. And, um, and so far it's been pretty good. The first couple of times it was funny because they all just stood there looking up at us like, wait, you guys are all standing here. Like we're supposed to go over there. We don't really know what to do. And then we sort of encouraged them and then they got it right away. And it was definitely the Salukis that were sort of leading the, that were the ones that who kind of clicked in on it right away. They heard the hound, they heard the horn and they were like, oh, we need to go to her. And then they took off and then all the rest of the hounds followed, which was really a kind of cool thing to see. So yeah, it was good. It's been, been a lot of fun to do that. Well, do Salukis, I'm thinking back, like, cause I, I have a couple sight hounds. I don't know. Do, are they a pack? Like, do they hunt as a pack? Is that, is that normal for a Saluki? And I know they're mixes. So yeah, they're walkers and they came from grand Canyon hounds and those, they definitely hunt in a pack in that, okay. with that group. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're very, they get it. They understand they're supposed to stay 
with the group. You know, they, they are very, they have smart little eyes. You can look at, look at them and see there's a lot of light back there and they, they figure it out pretty quickly. So yes, sighthounds are interesting. And, you know, having had some foxhounds, I, I just am fascinated by the Saluki hound mixes. So I'll be inviting myself out hopefully this season. Please do because you know, you're always welcome. So excellent. Yeah. So our, you know, it's the beginning of the, it's coming upon the beginning of the hunt season. And I was doing a little research looking at what, what terms of the month that we've had in the past. And we have never had the one for a fixture. And I know our guests commonly say refer to fixture and talk about fixture. And so I thought we should mention on the podcast, what is the fixture? So a fixture card, which is what it traditionally is called, it contains the time and the place where the meet or the hunt will be on a given date. And so before the internet existed, this was an actual card. And I did a little research and it said that they were mailed. Oftentimes they were mailed monthly or they were mailed. I know when I first started hunting with Brazos Valley, it was sent out at the beginning of the season and it covered the whole season, which often it would change a little bit. So I can see why you would do it monthly, but Today, most hunts will email their fixture cards however often, or they post them on their website. Right. And this is the time of year because people are getting started. This is the time of year that people put out, um, put out their fixture cards. And in our hunt, we get, we get it in the mail and it gets posted on Facebook and it gets emailed. So there's lots of different ways to get it. And it often does change. And these days, you know, I think a lot of hunts have uh, a call in line or they post on Facebook. And, you know, for example, we have a fixture that we, if there's a lot of snow or rain, we routinely have to cancel because it just becomes treacherous for the trailers. Um, so, you know, we kind of, everyone's, there's a little warning that goes out the night before and they say, check, check the Facebook, you know, page in the morning for the fixture, because we may change it if the weather turns bad. And so that is, the purpose of the fixture card to keep people in the loop as to where people are going. So. Absolutely. Yep. So there's this, uh, this other fun thing that's kind of been circulating, um, around the web lately around Facebook and social media. And it comes from somebody named Joanne Pelosi, who I don't know, but she's from Chagrin Valley hunt in, um, she posted this thing called equestrian problem solving 101. And I think it's pretty funny. And the hashtag is hashtag go Fox hunting. And so we're going to kind of go through these over the next few episodes. But, um, so here's your problem. My horse won't go forward. The solution go Fox hunting tally ho and make sure breakfast is ready. When we get back, your horse will go without you. The next problem she lists is my horse bucks solution. Go fox hunting. He will get left behind and will be so focused on keeping up, he will forget to buck. (laughs) Problem number three, my horse is spooky. Solution, I think you can guess where this is going. Go fox hunting. He will be so focused on navigating the in-your-face obstacles, he won't have time for drama. And I would say, especially the horse won't go forward, fox hunting will absolutely fix that 100%. And same with spooky. It makes them really brave. My, yes, my young horses are all much braver now that they have Fox on it. So, well, I think my favorite video I posted on social media last year was the first time Simon crossed a big water crossing and how he like jumped and bucked his way, not bucked, but he jumped his way across it. And then two hunts later, he was crossing it and like wanted to stay in the water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's classic. You know, I think I might've told the story on the air about when Lucy was four and we have a, uh, hound, we have a big cattle tank in one of our fixtures and we were out on hound exercise and, um, and I hadn't ever walked her through water before, but the tank was full water and it's, it's just like a big pond. And so, um, so, uh, you know, we, the hounds went in, everybody's kind of splashing around. It was, it was during, uh, probably autumn hunting. It was pretty warm. And so Lucy just kind of sniffs and she paws and she splashes. And the next thing I know, she's like down on all four knees. And I was like, oh no, I had to abandon ship. And she rolled with all her tack on and everything. I was like, oh, the worst. (laughs) She's not afraid of water anymore and never has been. So 
And the solution to all things is to go fox hunting. So this coming issue and Coverside Magazine, which will be in mailboxes right around Thanksgiving, you'll find a great roundup of the 25th anniversary of Coverside Magazine, which has been really fun to put together. There's a long article um, written by yours truly about my tenure here, which has been 10 years now. Um, and then there's a, another piece by Norm Fine, who uh, actually started Coverside Magazine and 25 years ago. And he wrote about his experience starting it and how it evolved from there. So that'll be really fun. Um, we also have a profile of a new huntsman. Her name is Emily Melton, and she is carrying the horn now for um, Middletown Newmarket. And she came from Elkridge, Hartford in, in Maryland. And she was a whipper in and she's writes a little bit about her first season and what that's like. Um, we have a great pie recipe, which, you know, everybody loves hunt breakfast. So that's going to be really fun. And, um, we have something about a horse who is actually a Tennessee walking horse. We always like to profile a field hunter, a different kind, just so everyone knows that fox hunting is non-denominational when it comes to breeds. As long as they can go and they have a good brain, they'll work. So that's what's coming up. And we appreciate the sponsorship of Charles Owen Helmets for this episode of Horses in the Morning, Fox Hunting. And speaking of Charles Owen's Helmets, uh, we have Danielle Santos, who is the sales and marketing director for Charles Owen. And she's going to tell us a little bit about, she's going to tell us a little bit about Fox Hunter's favorite helmets. And here she is. We'd like to thank Charles Owen Helmets for sponsoring this episode. And we'd like to welcome Danielle Santos to the show this morning. She's going to talk to us about helmets and fox hunting and all the great styles that Charles Owen offers. You know, Charles Owen is a, is a huge supporter of, of fox hunting. And, and we would yeah. love to hear um, sort of what, have, what are the models that that are popular in the hunt field. Mm-hmm. So the Hanson yeah. is definitely uh, one of the most popular velvets in the U.S. It's very traditional, very um, slim looking. It fits a large a large group of heads. Um, it it has the the leather look harness. Um, so it's it's very traditional looking and the peak, the, the brim is very flattering to the face for both men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiona. So, um, and that was named after a woman who worked in our production team who unfortunately passed away from cancer. And um, so when we decided to come up with the quote unquote update, which isn't the best word, um, but the, the new version with an additional safety standard, which is of course um, the VG1, which is the replacement for the EM1384, because the 1384 was uh, withdrawn because it was not considered good enough in Europe. VG1 is similar to the British standard, Paso 15, but not exactly the same. And so the, the, the FIAN we came out with the VG1 standard, which is European, and then we put ASTM on it to put bring it to the U.S. for the fox hunters because so, we believe the fox hunters needed a, a new version of a velvet, and this was beautiful. Yeah, so Danielle, didn't you introduce it with the corn hunt in Ireland first, the Fion? So we basically... Yes and no. So we came out with it and then the corn hunt and they're actually in the UK and I'm going to blank on where Um, they commissioned us to, to come up with a helmet because Peter Collins, who was the huntsman who has since retired, he wanted a proper helmet. Um, He believed that safety was paramount and um, he so then they commissioned us and we took the fian and we took their changes, which was to make it a little taller and I believe squared it slightly to make the corn hat. 
and it's actually called the corn hat and it's purchasable from the corn honey. Mm. And I have, I have facts about corn. The corn Mm -hmm. was established in 1696 and it's the world's oldest fox hunting pack and it's in Leicester, England. So Leicester. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the Wellington classic, which is similar in look, but it also has the additional padding at the nape of the neck at the, at the base of the skull, between the base of the skull and the nape of the neck, which gives you a little bit more stability for the helmet on the head. And um, that's also been quite popular. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, so tell people where they can find Charles Owen on the internet. www.charlesowen.com Great. And um, we really appreciate your time, Danielle. Thank you for spending this time with us. That's so cool. I love hearing about the styling points of these hats because, frankly, in pictures, they all look the same. You know, they look like a beautiful helmet, but kind of need to know how they're made and why they're made and the styling that goes behind them. And moving right along, we've got our next guest right here on the line. Today, we're excited to chat with Rebecca Barnes, a master with Tryon Hounds. She's going to tell us about some fun and exciting programs they have at Tryon to um, encourage new newcomers to fox hunting and to get people involved. So, Rebecca, if you'd start, tell us a little bit about your horsey self and where you live and kind of how you got started fox hunting and then take it away. Well, thank you guys for having me on the podcast today. This is exciting. And the Tryon Hounds just started our 93rd season. So we've been around for quite a while. Our hunt country is in the upstate of South Carolina and, of course, the mountains of western North Carolina in Polk County, North Carolina. We um, we start, like most fox hunts do, uh, right after Labor Day and go through March. And I have been hunting with the Tryon Hounds since 1991. I came to fox hunting after competing in the hunter ring and at, you know, mid-30s decided I was kind of tired of the horse show, taking up your whole weekend. And, but I still wanted to do something that, um, you know, was a little more challenging than just doing the trail riding. So I came into Hunter Paces, which of course is a great place for anyone considering fox hunting. Tryon Hounds has a fall and a spring Hunter Pace. Uh, Fall Hunter Pace is actually coming up on October the 6th. So I really encourage um, people that are possibly thinking about fox hunting to try to find a Hunter Pace. We're fortunate in our area that we have the Western North Carolina Hunter Pace series. And you can go Google that, find their site, and they have Hunter Paces every other weekend for eight months. So we're really lucky there. And after doing a couple of Hunter Paces, I was very fortunate to land in a barn where um, the owner was a master from Virginia, and she really took me under her wing. So I learned about fox hunting from someone who really knew and who really cherished and made us respect the the true traditions of fox hunting. And what I like about the Tryon hounds is that we still adhere to the strict traditions of riding the hounds. Um, So it's been um, a great journey for me, and I served on the board of directors for many years, just came off as president, and I was just recently named the master, which, of course, is a great honor. That's so exciting. I love that whole story. And I, I feel like somewhat of a kindred spirit. I grew up showing quarter horses and I show hunters a little bit. And I've always been attracted to fox hunting. I'm in Texas and I didn't have any crazy inklings that it existed here. And I found fox hunting about 10 years ago. But I, I agree. I love the I call it the pomp and circumstance that you it's fun about a horse show and you get that at a fox hunt, but you know, it's a more natural forward ride. Um, so I love that. So what, tell us about Tryon specifically. We wanted to chat today about your mentoring program. 
Well, you think about Tryon, North Carolina, especially with the new addition uh, four years ago of the Tryon International Equestrian Center, and especially the dressage crowd that has moved in and the eventers. And you're looking around going, why aren't these people fox hunting? You know, you're like, this is the most horsey place, you know, on the East Coast outside of, you know, Middleburg. What's going on? And then we started talking to some of the inventors and the horse show people, and we all know the story, um, they're, they're comfortable in the ring. So we started a mentor program three years ago, trying to be able to find out what the fears are, what, what the obstacles are for people to come out and fox hunt. And so a couple things that we do with this program, first of all, we start with this, just a basic questionnaire. You know, we want to make sure that they're at least in the ballpark. They have a horse that is hopefully suitable and that, that, you know, this is something they really want to do. And depending on where they are with their horse and with their riding, we then tailor the program to, you know, really to match what they need. And a lot of times it will start with myself and a few other members actually trailering out to their farm or where they ride to do exercises um, so that you're riding in a group and you, you know, you pull away so the horse understands that, you know, sometimes they're alone, sometimes they're together, sometimes horses pass them in each direction. So we kind of start there and that gives us a real handle on the horse's ability to do our sport. Then what we do at Tryon for every single field we have, if you're new to fox hunting or new to our hunt, we assign a mentor to you in the field. That person is with you. So whether you're riding in the field, um, we the mentor really is there for every aspect. You know, a lot of people are intimidated by the traditions, the, the attire and, you know, what, what goes in the sandwich case and what can I really do in the hunt field? So your mentor with the Tryon Hounds makes sure from the clothing to your horse's tack to the way the horse is groomed, really every part of fox hunting, they go over that and they make the person feel so comfortable. So when they're out there on their first day, they're not worried about all of that. They're just out there to have a good time. And they know that we have someone assigned to them that's going to be with them all day. And, you know, we've, we just found that it makes all the difference in the world to have this mentor program. So So, is the mentor program, is it, is it a mentor relationship for a whole season? Is it a mentor relationship for a set number of rides or can the, can the person say, um, I, I feel like I'm good. I'm, I'm good on my own. Do y'all determine how long that is? No, I kind of think it's a mutual, uh, understanding. Um, I think going into it is kind of for the season and, you know, obviously if they're doing quite well, then the mentor backs off. We also have a mentor program for social members. Um, We find that a lot of people, especially when they move into the area, this is a pretty rural area. We don't have a lot of country clubs. So horse people and non-horse people find the try-on hounds because they know it's a great way to meet people. And But we also find out they don't really know what fox hunting is about. And we, so from a social standpoint, we assign somebody to them to take them to hunt breakfasts and just to check in on them. Um, we, I think most hunt clubs will say that, you know, if your members aren't active and if you're not seeing them either out in the hunt field or out socially, chances are they may not renew their membership. So I have a question. I want to back up just a little bit. You said you were approaching, um, you know, dressage barns and dressage riders and eventers and with a questionnaire, how were you finding those people? Were they, was it just word of mouth through, through members or were you actually doing outreach to barns and at shows and things like that? It's, it's kind of, um, on all fronts. It's certainly our members that are, um, out there either boarding at the same barns or at horse shows word of mouth is, you know, a a great way to start, but it's social media through Facebook postings and um, events. We also try to have through our hunt ball silent auction, we auction off a private hunt every year. And so one of our members will buy it and we really encourage that member 
to go and find people that are um, great riders, have wonderful horses, that can do a private hunt. So it's smaller, it's more controlled. So the private hunt is another way that we approach these riders that you know might not consider it. So it's really you know um, we it's a multi-level approach to identifying who really would like to come out, and we mostly find that they just don't know how to get started, and that's how the mentor program came in. And have you, you know, what kind of success have you had with it? Have you felt like, you know, I'm asking this because I think every hunt club struggles with, with engagement, you know, how do you get somebody who comes out and they, they come out a few times and you try to keep them welcome, you know, keep welcoming them and, and then it gets too cold or, you know, the weather gets a little rough and they, they kind of drift away. Um, and then there's sort of your core group that's been there forever. And, and so I'm wondering if this, if you feel like this has brought a, you know, a bunch of people, new people to the hunt and raised awareness in the horse community about it. Like what have the results been? The results, um, is fairly new. So, but the results have been, I, I would say above average. Um, the people that we've mentored, um, have stuck with fox hunting. The mentor program is also great for people that got away from fox hunting that took a big break and, you know, maybe they're not um, as confident a rider as they once were and they're aging a little bit. So it it really is kind of a a nice program where an older member can get re-engaged. That's great. That is, that's really, I, I would love to, you know, to implement that model here. I think that would be really great. You know, I think it's got a lot of, super potential nationwide to bring people into hunting. Um, so, and you also mentioned something for, um, for people who might not have the money to hunt or who think they don't. So, yeah, you know, it's, it is expensive, but it is cheaper than showing. We all know that, that if you've been showing at a for sure, absolutely <laughs> for sure. Local or, or local or regional level. So, you know, we know that um, it, it, the expenses, you know, they go up. And um, we started three years ago the Trip Hoffman Riding Scholarship. And Trip was a great friend of mine. He was a member of our hunt for many years, rode first flight, was impeccable in his turnout, both Trip and the horse. And he was on the board, and he was a, he really was the center of our social uh, season. He was just a spectacular person, a fox hunter. A lot of people on the East Coast know Tripp. He started in Virginia and hunted for many years there, was a master there. So upon his death, I wanted to do something that would be in honor of Tripp, but really help people. So we started this scholarship, and we've been lucky because Tripp's family has helped fund it. But our members and people in this community and really fox hunters all over the East Coast, when they heard we had the scholarship honoring trip, started sending in donations. So every year, usually in June, we announce that we're opening applications. Um, This week, we will be announcing um, we have three recipients for this year. And, you know, all three are... um, terrific riders. I mean, these are the people, these three will not need mentors, but they just, um, one of them has fox hunted a a little bit, the other two, not so much, but they are just not in a position. Um, And we also often find that most of the people that apply for the scholarship are are equestrians and they're professionals. They make their living um, riding horses and whether it's exercise riding or training rides. So what's perfect about that is that then we have these professionals that are out in the hunt field that can help us with the other members. With the scholarship, there's a minimum of 20 hours of uh, volunteer service to the hunt, which they're happy to give. And so we get, it's like a win-win. We have this fabulous way to honor one of our members we have a way to offer three riding scholarships to to people that would not be out there. And then that money that's part of what people donate to the club 
is then moved over into the operating account for uh, running the club. So as we know, we all know these riding memberships are critical to, you know, our bottom line. So it's, it, this has really been a great program for the Tryon Hounds. Well, I really like, you know, it's, I'm trying to think how I can say this the most diplomatically, but you see so much, and I, and I agree, it should be there, but there's this huge focus on scholarships and financial help for younger riders and people that are entering. But I do, I love the about this, that someone who is a little bit more mature and a seasoned rider and wants to try fox hunting for whatever reason to give them an opportunity because, you know, I came to fox hunting in my thirties and, you know, not that that's young or old, but it's not someone, you know, I wasn't 17 or 18 and I hope to be fox hunting for many more years, but I just think it's lovely how it opens that door for someone to get involved. And I, I wouldn't, what, what, have you had folks that got the scholarship and then stayed members? Well, again, it's four years old and so far they're all now members. One recipient is she's had, she's won the scholarship two years in a row. I mean, you can win it more than one year. You know, if you're a great candidate and your income is such that you qualify, but what we're finding is, you know, for us, and I'm assuming for most of the hunts, juniors are free and if a junior rider wants to earn their colors, you know, it's like $250 a year. Their membership fee is pretty low. And usually if they don't have the money, the members chip in for that. If, they, if, if gaining their colors is, is something they want to aspire to. So we just um, found, you're exactly right, these are the older folks. The, the, the scholarship recipients this year, one is 52 I think one's um, mid-30s and the other one is um, maybe late 20s. So, you know, and and what I like about it, unlike juniors, they're here. They're in this community. Absolutely. You know, juniors, you work and you do the punny clubs, but we all know eventually they go off to college and we don't know if they're going to be, especially in a community as small as ours. Um, so this, this scholarship's been great and it's just, you know, it's, it's really rewarding to see people out in the hunt field that would, that, that couldn't afford to be there. Well, what other, I know I've seen a couple mentions on social media, but what fun events do you have coming up that people might be interested in checking oh, out? You know, <laughs> with any fox hunt, everybody knows it's all about fundraising and uh, we're, we're going to have our second annual barn tour, barn and art tour. We had the first one last year. So that is coming up the first Saturday in November. So that's November the 2nd. And there's six fabulous barns um, paired with equestrian artists. You can go to our website and get that information, tryonhounds.com. It's $35. There's refreshments at every barn. That should be peak lease season for the Carolinas. So that that's a special event. I mentioned earlier, the Hunter Pace is a great little fundraiser for us, and our fall one is October the 6th, and that is also up on our website. And then, you know, we're lucky, and this is one of the Tryon International Equestrian Center's events. It's called Festival of the Hunt, Mm. and that takes place here along with our sister hunt, the Green Creek Hounds. And that that crowd will be rolling in on um, the 12th of November and they will, or the 13th around that time period, and they will hunt. It's a judged fox hunt and they will, um, we will ride out with the Green Creek Hounds on the 14th and then they'll ride out on Friday the 15th with the Tryon Hounds and the judges will be in the field and the people participating, um, they'll select the people from those two hunts and then at the new equestrian center on the 16th, they will be judged um, in flights, first flight. And then there's a non-jumping flight and they will, there'll be a mock hunt situation in the derby field and then the award ceremony following that. So the festival of the hunts, that's a fun event. Um, So a lot of people should check it out. I think you can find probably all the details on the uh, Tryon International Equestrian Center website. Wonderful. And we'll put links to all the websites you mentioned in the show notes so folks can find that. So Yeah, and then um, the, yeah, the 28th of November, 
we are still one of the hunts that, you know, the blessing of the hounds is on Thanksgiving Day. And we have stood by that tradition, and it is a big deal for this community. Over 200 people in the community come out to watch the Blessing of the Hounds. It's at 10 o'clock at one of our fabulous features, uh, fixtures over in Carolyn Farm called Thanksgiving Hill. So the Blessing of the Hounds is we're sticking with tradition on that one. That's on my bucket list. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. We really enjoyed chatting with you. And usually I ask at the end um, of an interview or a chat if, how people can find you, but I think we've pretty much hit all of the websites. And is there any social media handles anyone could find you at? Yep. It's the Tryon Hounds. And we try to post often and keep everybody informed of the hunt. Um, but I think that and tryonhounds.com will get you to where you need to be. And I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for your interest in what we're doing over here in the Carolinas. Well, thanks again, Rebecca. It's always cool to hear about fox hunts who are really being proactive about involving the community and bringing in new members. And speaking of activity, how about a little bit of music? Take a little break here to, while we get our next guest on the phone, Jared Rogerson with a little Peace, Love, and Horses. in her hair She can go anywhere on that Palomino mare She's got Rocky Mountain Ivory that she wears around her neck And the Grateful Dead plays on in her head Somewhere between Cowboy She's all about peace, love, horses, and me. She could end the war with just a smile. She can drive a tractor, bell and tape for miles and miles. She says, in a sense, grows and right That's her philosophy She can rope and ride And she likes hanging out with me She believes that love Is the one thing that can't change anything And she loves me And that's the part that gets me She's all about peace Love horses and me
There you go. Jared Rogerson, Peace, Love, and Horses. You can find all of his music at jaredrogerson.com and also on iTunes, CD Baby, Spotify, all those places. Go download stuff today. And our next guest is ready. So I'm excited today to talk to Carly Fedorka. I I can't even remember how exactly I found your blog, A Yankee in Paris, but I started following your blog and then shortly after started stalking your Instagram and we are fellow thoroughbred lovers. And so I, I love reading all about that, but I noticed you posted a, it was like a week or two ago that you took one of your horses to, I believe it was his first hunter pace, right? Yes, I did. So tell us about Winston and kind of your, your journey to his first hunter pace. So I, um, quite habitually retrain thoroughbreds off the racetrack and sell them as usually eventers, but, um, train them in a variety of disciplines, hunter jumpers, dressage, et cetera. And this current one that I have, his name's Winston. He's a late three-year-old by Gio Ponte out of a war champ mare. And I got him at the end of July and really have just kind of rocked and rolled with him. Like he's a really straightforward, cool horse. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I was invited to attend the Iroquois Hunt Club Hunter Pace, which is right here in Lexington, Kentucky. They have a beautiful hunt club. We actually ended up doing the Hunter Pace, um, not at their hunt club, but in Winchester, Kentucky or out that way. And I just, I I really like doing hunter paces on my young horses. I think if you have a good group that you can go with that will kind of, you know, slow down when you need to slow down and rock on when you need to rock on, it's just a great atmosphere for young horses to kind of learn what it's like to go out in the group. So kind of, I've actually never gone on a hunter pace. I'm a little embarrassed to say that. So kind of walk us through like what, what's the experience of a hunter pace like and what's it like? for a green horse. Yeah. So there's, there's different ways you can do the hunter pace. Uh, honestly for this one, I ended up just doing the hilltopper division, which is basically a trail ride. Um, it really just sets up a young horse. He's only three, like I said, so I'm really not jumping him too high or too much. So I decided to go in the hilltopper division and the hilltopper division, there's an optimum time. And they set the optimum time, basically uh, judging how long it would take for you to walk and occasionally trot the distance of the hunter pace. And that's what this horse did. Uh, I've taken probably every single one of the thoroughbreds I've ever owned to other hunter paces. And you can also do like the first flight hunter pace, which is more indicative of what you would see on a fox hunt. So they'll actually give you a map of the jumps you're supposed to jump, and then they'll tell you the speed that you're supposed to go between them. Are you actually off chasing a scent? Are you standing still waiting for the hounds to catch another scent? Um, And then the beauty of the hunter paces as well is that there's usually bourbon stops. So you can stop and have a glass of bourbon. In this case, last week, we also had beer, which I love because I hate bourbon. Um, So kind of mimicking, you know, letting the hounds seek the next scent and sitting there and drinking while you wait for them to find it, which is kind of a, a pro of the whole experience. So is it kind of, um, compare doing the hunter pace then to a cross country course? Yeah, it's, um, super basic on the hunter pace that you do. So like this past one that I did with Winston, that was with Iroquois, we were out there for almost two hours. So again, mostly walking a little bit of trotting, Um, There were a ton of gates to open up. That definitely slows you down a little bit. But we were out there for a solid two hours. Now, I'm lucky that I live in Lexington, Kentucky. So there's a ton of hunter paces at my disposal. And um, Masterson Equestrian Trust does one. And if you do the first flight division of that one, the jumping division, you're at a solid canter, if not gallop. And it probably takes 30 to 45 minutes. Um, there's another one local to here at Sheffield Ridge farm, that one, again, 30 to 45 minutes. And then we're really lucky that the high hope steeplechase sponsors one at the Kentucky horse park. And again, you're, you're cantering for a solid 30 to 45 minutes. And there's usually anywhere from like 15 to 30 jumps. So for a horse that's a slightly seasoned on cross country, but is confident enough to like go out in a group. It's awesome because it, the, the intent of it is that you're going to have a lead. 
to every single jump. Some young thoroughbreds thrive off of that. Some of them think that they're back at the racetrack. So it's just kind of, like I said, it's getting the perfect group to do it with. So, um, so I'm curious, have you been fox hunting, Carly? I actually just went for my first time last fall. My now husband, very recent husband, grew up fox hunting his entire life uh, at, a, at a couple of different hunt clubs but primarily the Swickley hunt, which is uh, right outside of Pittsburgh. And mm -hmm. so we went to Pittsburgh last fall to do something entirely different. And when I found out that they were hunting that Saturday, I was like, please, for the love of God, let me in. So I ended <laughs> up getting to hunt with them um, on a, you know, a loner horse and had just the time of my life. I grew up uh, working in Wyoming as a cowgirl and I just compared it to that in English tack. So now that you've had a taste of it, and yes, it is John Tabachka, who's the huntsman for Swickley. Yeah. Um, I just looked it up in my hunt roster. But uh, so now that you've had a taste of it, Carly, are you, are you looking to do more hunting with your thoroughbreds? Yes, I'm, I am obsessed. And uh, part <laughs> of the reason why I took Winston out last week, the, the Wednesday before the hunter pace, I was convinced to go uh, walk the hounds with another one of my thoroughbreds. I have another thoroughbred named Nixon, who's pretty much just a terror and useless at just about everything, but he loves hacking and he is fearless on a trail ride. And so I thought, you know what, maybe fox hunting is his thing. Maybe it's his jam. And um, I took him out to walk the hounds and he was great. He walked the hounds like a seasoned professional. He could have cared less about them, stood still when we halted. But then we went for a trot set after that, and he tried to kill me. So he's <laughs> off the roster. Um, I have two other horses. I have a thoroughbred named Mac, who's my big eventer. And honestly, I think he would love fox hunting with a fiery passion, but he also has terrible feet. So I'm a little bit hesitant to try him on some crappier footing. But then I also have um, this old war horse named Kennedy, who's about a 17-3 hand gray thoroughbred that I bred on a farm that I managed and I now have him back. And I think I'm going to try him. I think he, he will be my fox hunter. He loves to jump. He's very calm in a group. Um, but yeah, I definitely have, you know, the hankering to do it. Anything that involves alcohol, adrenaline and jumping horses, I'm pretty game. <laughs> so I, I sense a little theme here. You have a Nixon and you have a Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anna Winston, and I sold a Reagan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, we. Um, Kennedy, who was first? No, Nixon was first. Nixon, his registered name is called to serve, and I just decided to do a you know a little ploy on words, and I was like, well, who was involved in the draft? So I named him Nixon, and then we got Kennedy off the racetrack, and his registered name was Maryland's guy. And he was actually named after the uh, artistic director for Marilyn Monroe. So when we got Marilyn's guy, it was pretty obvious to go with Kennedy. And then it's just kind of trickled down a little bit, probably too much, but it's pretty fun to go with. Unfortunately, Winston, his registered name was West of Ireland. So it kind of made it so I couldn't use an American politician. Mm, so got it. He got named after Winston Churchill. Yeah. That's so clever though. I'm, I'm a big fan of a theme. I, I foster a lot of dogs that have puppies. And so I, I go with the theme, like the last litter I had was flowers, but anyways, I digress. Um, so I know you do buy and sell a lot of thoroughbreds and that's, I really enjoy the thoroughbred aspect of both your podcast and your blog and everything, but have you sold any of your thoroughbreds to fox hunting homes? Um, actually I had another horse, uh, his name was Coldest Stone, and I called him Mason. Um, he went on to Virginia to be an eventer, and it didn't work out. So he actually got rehomed to be a fox hunter in Virginia. Uh, and I think he did a couple of seasons, and now he, it was kind of a weird free lease type of situation. I think he's back with his home now, his original home, but he did hunt out there for a while. Uh, it's honestly, you know, I say to people all the time, I don't really train them for any specific discipline. And I really think that when you are training a young horse or a green horse or an off the track thoroughbred, that 
you're going to train them the exact same way, regardless of which discipline they're going to go into. So fox hunting is definitely one of the top ones I could see my type going into because anybody who knows me knows that day one, I'm taking these young horses out like road hacking. Day three, we're going cross country schooling. So I'm a little bit cowgirl in my methodology of how I do it, but all of these horses just have to be like brave, happy on the buckle, go through water, go down banks and be pretty desensitized to just about anything scary, just because that's how I am. So, you know, a ton of them haven't gone to fox hunting homes, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. Oh, I think it's so fun. I just, I have so much fun following you and I'm so glad you came on to chat with us today about your, yours and Winston's Hunter Pace experience. So if folks want to find out more about you or stalk you like I do, how would they do so? (laughs) So I have a blog, like you said, called A Yankee in Paris. Um, and it's kind of a diverse smorgasbord of everything about horses, a lot about the thoroughbred industry and the breeding industry, but then also just random rants about my life. Um, I also have my own podcast called Turn Out, the podcast for horse people. We're really trying to get it going, unfortunately, with this summer of me getting married and all that fun stuff. It took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, But yeah, you can follow the blog on either Instagram or on Facebook. It has its own Facebook page. Haven't made a Facebook page yet for the podcast because managing two is already hard enough. Um, But the podcast can be found on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, kind of, you know, all of them. And we kind of talk about similar things, just, you know, a little bit of science mixed in with horsemanship and a lot of love for thoroughbreds. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Carly. Bye-bye. And uh, I think that's a wrap, ladies. You can find Coverside online at www.ecoveredside.net or the digital edition at issuu.com backslash ecoveredside. Tara can be found at Instagram. Search for at TN Tibbets. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thanks so much to our sponsors, the MFHA, Covered Side, as well as Charles Owen Helmets. Good night. Good night. <laughs>